This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Extra. Hello everybody and welcome along to this very special end of season edition of the Sky Blues Extra podcast which is of course sponsored by Shortland Horn Coventry's leading estate agents. Dean Atkinson here alongside Andy and Matt Chaps. Welcome along, good evening. Evening Dean and I. How good are evening. we? How's it going? We are good, long time no speak. It is, yeah. Well. It has been a while. Uh, it's been a last. It's been a couple of weeks since the last pod. Never mind us talking. Yeah, um, so absolutely. I think the the uh, the fans are again a little bit anxious not hearing yeah. our voices. Shall we say? <laughs> now, obviously, with it being the end of the season podcast, we were planning on getting the whole gang together for this, but unfortunately, Dave's running late. Uh, but he will be joining us though. So stay tuned, all you David Moore fans out there. I think there's a couple of you, maybe one or two, maybe his parents. Probably that's about it. Um, Ross is doing his hair, unfortunately, this evening. And Wardy, I think, is out causing havoc in that grey tracksuit of his. So, unfortunately, it'll just be the four of us at some point. But fear not, you'll hear from both Wardy and Ross towards the end of the pod as they give their thoughts on the end-of-season awards. But in the meantime, you'll have to make do with us. It'll be the fantastic four, if you will. So let's crack on them. Um, lads, how, how are we dealing with the... The void of football so far. I know we've had the playoffs and stuff to watch, but granted, it's been only a week without a Coventry game, but it already feels like an eternity, doesn't it? feels worse with actually watching other teams play in a weird way. You still get your fill of football, but it just I don't know, it just makes you, you, you want the new season to come around a, a bit more. I don't know if I'm a bit weird in that thought. And the fact that we haven't got, I know we don't like to talk too much about England on here, but no kind of major tournament, obviously, in the yeah. summer as we should do this um yeah so yeah I'm, I'm i'm raring for the new season to start Grisa, you're well involved with your kids team aren't you so i bet the fo- football's still going on for you oh yeah keeps going um but like you say i think with england not being involved it is a bit 
of a struggle, especially Saturdays, isn't it? Because mm. my lad plays on a Sunday, so if Sundays were all right, but Saturdays are a... It's not the best, is it? It's you just find long, yourself staring out the window. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or, or talking to my missus. I don't know which one's best. Uh, <laughs> but, I'll, let you, I'll let you work that one out yeah, with her. Yeah, definitely. But no, um, I think also, because we were quite near the playoffs and you're seeing the playoffs, you're kind of just itching to get involved in it, aren't you? Um, yeah. But maybe we'll have to wait until next season for that one, Dina. I'm sure we'll be involved next year. But yeah. nonetheless, we have had the under-23s to, to sort of fill that void mm. in the meantime. Having a fantastic performance in the in the Development League final versus Bristol on on Tuesday evening, running out the eventual winners 3-2 on the night. Some good individual performances also. You kind of feel like the future is pretty bright, lads, when you think some clubs don't even have the academy in place and we've got a real ladder for these boys to, to rise up and hopefully reach the first team. They only have to look at what's happened to likes of Bayliss and Eccles and, and Shipley over the last few years to see that there is a route to our first team if you're good enough. And some of these ads are showing it, aren't they? I think we've, as you say, we've already seen examples and obviously we've uh, we've all been calling for Tavares, but there are other names in there and people who I think, you know, Roos probably standing out amongst the others at the minute, but I'm sure we will see some of those lads come into the squad at points next season and get some good experience. So, yeah, I think you could probably expect on the, the back of um, how they've done this year, there's you know probably a good four or five of those players who are going to threaten for first-team football in the next year or two, which is fantastic development, as you say. And we've also talked about squad, haven't we, Andy? You know, yeah. we need the squad to bulk out and some of these lads mm. are going to have to do that and fill that fill that gap. Well, that's the model, isn't it? We either buy people that are not that well-known and improve them, or... Um, where they come through the youth academy. That's the model of Coventry City, isn't it? And um, there's some exciting prospects there. Howley, especially, I, I like the look of him. Yeah. Uh, like you said, Tavares is good. The Roysa looks a decent prospect as well. So, no, there, there is a, there is ability there. And um, like you said, we're going to need them next season because we're going to have more subs, aren't we? Is that right, Dino, next season? More subs, yep. Yeah. You, you can have five during the game and you can I think you can name so up to 12 or something like that as really? well which is a, a new rule coming in so yeah, yeah so that good. that's gonna I mean they, they're gonna have to to join in aren't they at yeah, some they point yeah, oh David's joined us David oh, here, he is. here he is David has joined us on the pod he's finally fixed his hair I'm not sure what he was up to <laughs> but maybe he can give us an insight David Moore welcome to the end of season podcast Oh, guys, what an absolute rush. Um, but yes, uh, here and uh, made it back all OK. And um, trains leave a lot to be desired in this country. But that is a rant for another day. We were just talking about the under-23s and their fantastic win in the Development League. What's what's your thoughts on that? Absolutely. Superb, isn't it? It's great to see that we're competing at the top end of that league. Um, it's given some pivotal players some really good chances to get fit this season as well. That's what, you know, the development and the under-23s sort of setups helped us with. But it's also, you know, home players like Tavares to get them ready for, you know, competitive men's football. And, and that's, it's obviously going in the right direction. Kudos to the staff because they never really get a massive shout out today. It's always AD and Robbins. But yeah, great for them guys. We'll give you a couple of minutes to settle in, Dave. I feel like I just pounced on you as you got into the into the room. But you settle into to to your seat and get your microphone sorted for a start. Uh, and I'll talk about the itinerary for this podcast this evening. So over the next hour or so, we'll look back in depth at what was a momental and memorable season for 
the Sky Blues. We'll look at those key moments. We'll give out some awards too. And of course, we'll take a little look to next season also. So let's kick it off. First of all, let's look at some of the new faces that joined us ahead of this new campaign. In came the likes of Victor Jokerez, Martin Waghorn, Simon Moore, Ben Sheaf. Ian Matson came on loan. Jack Clark Salter on loan too. Todd Kane arrived at the end of August. And also the enigma that was Bright Enabakare, although he only made one appearance in that Northampton League Cup. Also made a couple of moves for the under-23s, as Andy mentioned. Brought in Denanga, Marco Roos, Royce, Russ, whatever you want to call him, Farley's Russ, or whatever you want, uh, and, and Cashman, obviously, who went on loan to, to Rochdale. So, Andy, I'll come to you first. What did you make of those summer transfers? I know hindsight is a you know a, a brilliant thing, but what did you... <laughs> I know you're going to say something about Martin Waghorn, um, but uh, so what did, what did you make of that business made in the summer? I think if you rewind back to our podcast pre-season... I think um, all of us were thinking Waghorn's the next Saddam, and it didn't quite work, <laughs> did it? Uh, including me. So that just shows how much I'm wrong. Um, but to add to your question, I was excited um, with the, the business we did. Um, I thought Gokrez was was a really good signing. Um, he showed potential towards the end of that season, last season, didn't he? So it was exciting. I thought we got him on a good deal. Um, Simon Moore, I've heard uh, bits and pieces about him Um obviously because he you know, played for Sheffield United in the Premier League, so I was excited to see him. Sheaf, we already knew about. I was pleased that he signed on a, a permanent basis. Um, again, he's got decent potential. And also, you know, using Aidy's contacts at Chelsea, you know, getting Matteson in and, and Clark Salter. I didn't know too much about the two. Um, but what I heard and what I saw, I was quite excited by that. And, and obviously... Wag, waggy, as I called him pre-season, and, and uh, Bright was was exciting signings on the on the paper. Um, didn't pan out that way, but no, generally I, I was I was I was fairly pleased with the business we did in the summer, Dino. To be fair, and Dave, did your sort of expectations change at any point when you saw the sort of the, the signings we were making? Yeah, for sure, definitely. Um, you know, Moore was a good signing. Um, Sheaf, we knew all about him, of course, but great to get another one on the books and, and what a player he's turned out to be. Um, but I think there was a lot of excitement around Enabakari. Um, and I think that that's, you know, both, both most probably the best and the worst um, summer sort of transfer business that we did. Um, I was really excited to see if he could um, cut it and, and give us a really, you know, cheap edge, I guess, you know, a, a class player. One thing that was cut was was his contract um, <laughs> quite early in the uh, in in the proceedings of the season. That was a real shame, though, wasn't it? Because you kind of feel he has the X he had the X factor that could you know sit alongside O'Hare, and you know maybe our fortunes would have been different if we, he just got his head screwed on. Yeah, I agree. Hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? And it did look to us that Cal probably needed a sort of another number ten up there with him, and and that probably would have been the, the key. Um, for us and you know skipping ahead it's, it's probably what we'll be looking at hopefully uh, this season absolutely right let's kick off then with uh, the season review what we'll do with this folks is we'll, we'll take in chunks and, and you know overview a, a sort of chunk of period of game so the first chunk is, is obviously starting with the, that incredible comeback um, to the to the CBS the 2-1 victory over, over Nottingham Forest you know followed by really two poor defeats 
versus Northampton in the League Cup and, and Barnsley away, which is a game we sh- when you're looking back, it's a game we sh- never should have lost. Followed up with two wins versus Blackpool on a, a memorable midweek occasion where the Hamer song was born into existence and then followed up with a, a fantastic late winner again versus Reading. We did lose QPR, but then we, we backed it up with two great victories then against Middlesbrough and Cardiff to make it five out of five at home, Matt. That was an incredible start, wasn't it? It was, yeah. It was um, important, really. I think coming off the back of um, you know a couple of seasons in Birmingham, it was difficult to predict what might happen coming back to Coventry because obviously, you you know, largely you are expecting it to be a positive thing. And in some ways, it, it was always going to be positive, obviously, coming back to the city, of course. But on the field, you, you never know. I always think back to kind of um, pre-season last year and uh, a lot of talk about the pitch at St. Andrews versus the, the CBS and all of this kind of talk. And it, I mean, you know, you always expect it to, to give you a boost, of course, in a, in a lot of ways, but it also puts a bit of pressure on it. Um, and I think just in general, obviously, the position we were in, you know, coming back from um, a really positive first season back at championship level, it can be that difficult second album syndrome. You know, you kind of um, set a bit of a benchmark for yourself and you can't really fall below that. So for me personally, I always, again, still thought coming into this season, it was a case of establishing ourselves in the in the league. You know, if we could stay up, um, ideally, obviously, wanted to progress in terms of league position from um last season but you know realistically the main aim again was staying up and we really should have learned a lot from that first game against Nottingham Forest you know it kind of predicated what happened throughout the season with those two late goals fantastic way to start the season great for morale um you know getting the fans on side as well that first game back there was a lot of expectation and and with that comes a lot of pressure so to to do that in the first game get the fans on on side and kind of get that atmosphere going highlighted the team spirit that was uh, amongst the players and obviously as you say we kind of followed that through um in that first batch of games we had a bit of a as you mentioned a bit of a rocky patch i don't read too much into the northampton game i don't think we were too worried about that but barnsley as you say disappointing on the on the perspective of um you know realistically we were the better team throughout that game and, and probably should have won and certainly should have obviously got a point at, at missing that late penalty um, but yeah, Blackpool obviously read in um, good wins. QPR difficult game at that point. I think they were flying as well. But Middlesbrough and Cardiff just showed. Um, I think what was important for is that you know coming back to Coventry was going to become a bit of a, a bit of a fortress for us. We followed that with a, a hard-fought point at the Den, and then the classic three goals and three points versus Peterborough. What else do you expect versus versus them as as Coventry City? But then the real anom- anomaly of the season. Uh, Luton 5-0. Um, the less said about that game, the better, I feel. But we did follow it up with, for me, the performance of the season. 4-1 winners over the eventual Champions Day. This was pretty much a pivotal moment, wasn't it? A huge moment in the season and one of the performances of the season. Yeah, absolutely. It had absolutely everything, didn't it? Because it's one of those games where you go to the ground with the lowest of expectations, um, which makes the victory even sweeter because it wasn't what we you know expected on the day, and it, the performance and the and the nature and the way that we did it was just fantastic. And, and I'd have to agree. For me, it's it's the performance of the um, season, and I think it came at a time where we'd already had a good record at home, like you said. Um, you know, a few bits on the on the on the road, like the QPR, um, and then the the the, react, the reaction from the Luton. You know, it was a real anomaly, like you said. And then to 
follow that up with with um, a home you know win four one like that against like you say the champions in the end, fantastic. Andy, how how important was it to show the sort of spirit to bounce back at that point? You could start to feel it in the team that they had that spirit and that bounce back ability, if, if you would. Much needed, um, especially after that Luton game. You do get them in a season when occasionally you just don't turn up and everything goes wrong, especially down Clark Salter's right-hand side. We had about 20 of them the season we went down to League 2. <laughs> yeah, 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 I remember that well. But um, yeah, so it was a great response, you know, against the Fulham side that, you know, were flying at the time. It was a brilliant response to the Luton game. Um, and much needed. It was live on Sky, which always helps, doesn't it? Um, but no, a great response by the lads and, and much needed after that Luton fiasco, shall we say. Absolutely. The less said about that, the better. Mm-hmm. Eight, eight points followed in the following set of fixtures versus Blackburn, Preston, Derby Hall, Swansea and Bristol City. Obviously two real big games in this period, Dave. Both included late goals, bookended. Sort of started to get a name for ourselves at this point, and those scenes versus Bristol will will live long in the memory, won't they? Oh, absolutely. And anyone that was leaving early was, you know, getting upset by this stage because we were doing it over and over again. But you're you're absolutely spot on. The Bristol City game was just it showed that fighting spirit. It showed that we'd play to the final whistle. It showed that we could overcome. I think the sort of a lot of what happens in the Championship and gets thrown at you, and and that that I think showed what character we've had in this this team this season um i don't think we always saw that in the first campaign i think we were very easy to be rolled over at times and and almost you know we stared defeat in in the face very early on and could never ever rescue that whereas i think we showed a grit and determination this season which was a you never felt that you were out of a game i think especially at the cbs then our first real tough period of the season came at that point. Um, no wins in six, Matt, versus Sheffield United, Birmingham, Bournemouth, West Brom, Huddersfield and Millwall. Um, it was a tough period, but some you know, some difficult games in that too. Yeah, it's an interesting period looking back on it, to be to be honest, because maybe there's a few lessons for us to learn going into next season. You, you kind of maybe thought it was, a, at the time, thought it was a bit of an up and down month. You know, looking at the fixtures, you're thinking... Sheffield United, West Brom just come down from the Premier League. Bournemouth, obviously, just a couple of years beforehand as well. Um, but you thought, you know, Birmingham, uh, Huddersfield and Millwall in particular were winnable games for us, for sure. Um, we've actually ended up taking, you know, four draws out of the period. And in reality, when you look back at it, pretty much all of those teams, bar Birmingham, our top half teams, there's, I think, three of the top five in there as well. Some really good away um, draws. And you also look at the fact of, Certainly Birmingham, kind of looking through that list of games, Huddersfield for sure as well. You know, games that we probably dominated in in large parts and and maybe if we'd have taken a couple more risks, gone for it. I know we've said Birmingham was at home, but Huddersfield in particular away, we kind of had that rotation of if it was away, it was one up front. And and maybe there is something to be learned there in terms of if we'd have pushed a little bit more. You know, you look at that period of six games, there's a couple of games in there we could quite easily have won. And even if it would have risked you know turning one of those draws into a loss I think from a points perspective it would have obviously worked out better for us but um yeah as you say tough to to go six games without a win but still some positive to take I would I would say especially the the late draw at Bournemouth too um yeah one thing I want to bring up Andy is so this period the sort of momentum broke with you know the COVID suspensions we only had two games in 23 days do you think that kind of had an effect because I I personally feel like 
this season when we had momentum we were better and when there was periods of you know no games it took us a while to get back into the the swing of things yeah 100% wasn't ideal was it um missing key players and like you say we're a bit of a momentum team generally aren't we um it was so stop start all the time wasn't it you didn't know whether you're going to play on saturday or not it was uh it's difficult you know as a football player that, especially at pressure level you, you need momentum don't you um and you know not to play one saturday and you don't know you're going to play next saturday is not ideal um and also that run of games just started, you know, with the West, with, with the Swansea defeat. And I'm, I'm going on a, a month before, but then the West Brom defeat and then the Millwall just started the decline in our home form, didn't it? And um, maybe put a bit of doubt, a doubt in the minds as well. Yeah, you? because we were flying before that at home. Yeah. Um, and those games, you know, started the decline in our home form, which I'll get on to later, um, which maybe just cost us a playoff place. Wasn't it something like, we got a certain amount of points in the first eight yeah. games at home and then it took us the rest of the season to get the same amount of points. Yeah, we were 15th worst in the league at home, which is not good enough, is Which it? is mad when you consider the start. Considering the home. start, exactly. Yeah. This and is everyone's what I mean. talking about, oh, are they going to go and beat in the whole season at home? <laughs> Fortress CBS, CBS. Yeah. Um, you know, I remember putting tweets out about that. And, um, and, you know, just from that month, from losing to Swansea, then the following month losing to West Brom and... Millwall, it, it, it just started to get the decline at home, which really did cost it. And it, it's mad because you think how well we were at home um, in Birmingham, how well we performed at home. It's like the roles reversed this season. We played better away this season, which is crazy. Perhaps we should go back to Birmingham. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> don't, I'm, I'm sorry. No, no, we don't want that. I'm joking, of course. That means we won't be able to sing the song that we've, we've started to oh, sing yeah. about. Winning a league at St Andrews. Oh, I won't. I won't continue the rest of the song because you've got to keep it PG as, as much as we can. Uh, so yeah. let's move on to that next period then. Uh, the new year um, and a one-nil win versus Derby to see us through to the fourth round of the FA Cup. We followed it up with another three points versus Peterborough, as you do. QPR was a tough loss at home, especially after a stunning goal from from Jordan Shipley. We did follow it up with a win versus Stoke, but then. Two losses, one to Middlesbrough and obviously that extra time defeat in the Cup to Southampton. Followed up by a, a draw black, uh, draw versus Blackpool and a fantastic win away from home versus Reading. But then probably again one of the worst performances of the season versus Cardiff on the road losing out 2-0. Uh, Dave, it was kind of a few tough losses during this period, wasn't there? Sort of stunted the charge as, as other teams started to, to pick up form. And obviously, as I, as I mentioned, probably one of the worst performances at Cardiff. Yeah, I think looking back, um, people may not agree, but this feels to me like the period perhaps where it was, the wheels came off a little bit and it's probably what hurt us in the end. Um, the, the QPR loss, unlucky, played well. Um, how many times have we said that this season? Um, and, and deserve more from it, but this sort of period stunk of a bit like we just talked about of the early first campaign in the championship um, rather than what we showed in the early stages of this year. Uh, Middlesbrough away again wasn't much uh, I don't think really that we, we did enough to, to get something there but again not either team didn't play it wasn't an amazing match but we you know what I say about clubs in this league especially like your Huddersfield they know how to not lose rather than how to win sometimes and and that's extremely important and Cardiff 
I think, personified that as well. And that was just a completely strange after Reading, which was um, a, a hard, you know, hard-earned win, I guess. But I think the signs were there. Um, Southampton, I think we remember talking at the time, Southampton, I think, it kind of brushed over what was actually going on. Performances had dipped quite quite a lot in that period. The Middlesbrough away, uh, the QPR, the, the the Stoke was 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 amazing, and um, I think it glossed over at the time the Southampton game. I think everyone was so jubilant. We played really well in that match, um, but but then the sort of draws with Blackpool and the Cardiff one, especially, I think um, it, it it was the writing was kind of on the wall. And maybe the Fredbear squad was starting to show at this point too. Because it seemed to be the same sort of, you know, 12, 13 names that were appearing. And, you know, yeah. refresh your faces, spoken, it might be different. So thin on the ground at times, even though we, we always had a full bench. I think that... that... Thin, thinner than my hairline. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, um, well, I wasn't going to say it, Dean. But uh-huh. it, it, you're absolutely spot on. It, it, it is thinner than your hairline. And that's, I think, what caused us a little bit of grief. So games versus Barnsley, Bristol, Preston, Swansea, Luton and Sheffield United followed. Matt, there was a a couple of tough losses in this period, but we bookended it with two superb victories, especially against one of the favoured teams this season in in Sheffield United. Yeah, I think kind of following up on what the the lads have said, it's form had definitely become very indifferent over the previous couple of months. And we'd obviously um, kind of fallen away from, you know, we weren't out of the playoff race by any stretch of the imagination but we'd fallen out of the top six and we were obviously trying to claw our way back and it kind of felt a little bit like every you know one or two run of games where we were we were losing we were kind of thinking you know the next loss is going to be the one that kind of puts an end to any of those uh hopes of of a top six finish so it's good to get those two wins at uh, obviously against Barnsley and Bristol City and I think again hope um clawed back up and then we went into a run of three games again. I think it would be fair to say they weren't the best in terms of performance. Preston, um, you know, we were probably wasn't the best of games all round. We were probably quite fortunate maybe to get the point in the end. And obviously that's uh, Tavares' moment there with the goal very late on. Swansea, we were just completely outplayed. Um, really comfortable 3-1, probably even flatters us to be perfectly honest. And against Luton, um, you know, we had spells again. But I think at that point in following up on what Davis said, um, you kind of felt we were starting to struggle at this point. And that's why probably was, again, similar to Fulham earlier on in the season. You know, it kind of came on the back of the 5-0 loss at Luton. Um, at this point here, going into the Sheffield United game, the two teams completely at the other end of the spectrum. You know, we kind of on the back of three disappointing results, no wins in three. Sheffield United were obviously on their comeback trail, um, flying up the table and, you know, to, to obviously hammer them 4-1. It really has to, again be a strong contender for performance and game of the season for us to um, to have put four past them and look so assured and so confident in a period where actually it started to look maybe like we were we were struggling for confidence. The next four fixtures you probably thought would be pivotal in our playoff hopes. Games against Hall, Derby, Blackburn and Notts Forest. But Andy, two points out of a possible 12. It really put a dent at that point, didn't it, in any ambitions we had at the top six? Yeah, it did. It was the Hall game that did it. Um, you know, losing at Forest away is not a problem. That's not an issue. You know, and but it was the whole game at home that did it. They were in bad form at the time, um, and we just did not turn up. Um, 
you know, after beating Sheffield United so well 4-1 and losing to Hull at home when they were in poor form did, did it for me. Um, and for me, at the time, I thought that was it for the playoffs and I was proven right. Um, you know, Derby, Blackburn were two decent games, um, but it was the whole game that really put the nail in the coffin, Dina. It was a poor performance, wasn't it? That it was, was the awful. first time me and Ross went to that. The only thing oh. I can remember from that is fantastic Nando's we had before the game. Ross n- never seems to shut up about it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the the game was probably the more important thing and it was just embarrassing. And yeah. I think it was the first game that kick it for a ticket was, was back as well. Mm. Uh, so it was, a, it was supposed to be a big day, but it you know, just turned out to be absolutely awful all around. Um, and then towards the end of the season, we, had, we still had big games to come obviously against Fulham, Birmingham, Bournemouth, West Brom, Huddersfield, Stoke, you know, you look at those fixtures and, you know, four of those teams are, you know, looking to be in and around the, the playoff um playoff spots. Two memorable away days over the Sky Blues and obviously that bumper crowd against Bournemouth at the CBS. I think deep down we kinda knew, as Andy said there, Dave, that the playoff dream was was probably over. But nonetheless, you know, those performances against Fulham and Birmingham Showed that you know we are capable at this level. Yeah, it, at this at this time it was starting to get away from us, um, and you could and other teams were charging, weren't they? But it still opened it, or it still left it open mathematically, um, which is all you can really ask for. I think it still gave us a a really good ride up until the end of the season, you know, bar the last couple of games. But the Fulham just you know again same as the home fixture very low expectations going there for a bit of a fun day out and it turned out to be a fantastic victory and one that meant I had a very sore head the next day and and, the, and an arm because you got bumped into about five times in the in the concourse area with a beer in your hand I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't have nicked cleaned his shirt since then yeah exactly it was it was it was um one of my dedicated away day because it was so close proximity to home that I uh, chose to have a few beverages um, but yeah it, a great victory and just it was lovely to see what we could do on our day and they were completely shell-shocked and at the time it was they were starting to be looking over their shoulder you know for for perhaps top of the league they need to start winning um, but I agree with what Andy said that it was the previous month that, that hurt us the most and um it going into those games, they felt a little bit like freebies. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that Birmingham performance away from home, in our second home, shall we say, at St Andrews, just that's that's a real memorable day. It's a, it's one that a lot of people have spoke about game of the season because obviously we got history there at St Andrews, but we also showed you know where we can come back again and we show you know good football to score some of the goals um the Michael Rose headers and I think that's still traveling um, he he headed it so so hard so that was that was also good to see wasn't it Dave yeah 100% sorry I completely missed it because I didn't make that fixture so I was totally snubbed it and didn't talk about it but it was I actually watched it whilst being on holiday and it was just yeah incredible incredible um it, it showed us that we were we were a much better team than Birmingham I thought they were the defending for the goals was poor um, on both accounts, but unusually from us, I don't think we'd conceded so many easy goals this this season as we did um, that day. But the character was great, um, 
and a special mention to Stoke as well because of the you know the last game of the season and the um, fancy dress was brilliant to see and I think yeah I'd have to say it won't be in later on awards so the Teletubbies for me won it on on the day. Oh, that's a tough one. The jockeys won't be happy. All the Smurfs, for that for that matter, they'll they'll be. I saw I saw a couple of people in in one one eight um, outfits. You know the the one one eight guys. Yeah. But th- I never saw them in the ground, so maybe they were just walking around Stoke. <laughs> yeah. In fancy just dress any, anywhere there's some fancy dress, they're up for it. <laughs> yeah, they're bang up for it. Yeah, They've probably had the uh, the outfits since those people were actually in in the media or in the news. I was going to say there's not many people using one one eight anymore, so probably they're still looking to to utilise them as much as they can. So, yeah, look for any fancy dressing and we're there. Uh, that's it. That's the end of the, the sort of the season review. Uh, Andy, should we look at some key stats? I know you love a stat, don't you? Well, regarding stats-wise, yeah. Um, Possession-wise, we were just so much better uh, this season. Um, we just kept the ball so much better, so much more dominant against more teams. Um, but the failing is that the shot ratio on target was just... I thought you were going to say this. It, the aerial duels were the yeah. no, no. We'll save that for later. But no, the shot on target ratio again was what needs to be improved um, because the amount of games we dominated this season because we've been so much braver on the ball, so much better on the ball, so much taking the the game to opponents has been so much better this season compared to last. You know, if we could just put teams away, then we'd be so much. I know this season was good, but we would be so much better. And that's probably what Robbins will be working on in, in the summer. Um, and then there's two key stats to sort of back up your your um, your theory there. You know, we had the mm. second highest shots per game at 14.3. Yeah. Fulham had 16.1. Obviously, they, they were number yeah. one. And we had 10.8 the previous season. So, you know, that's an increase, you know, yeah. of, of 3.5. Quick maths. Great, good, yeah. So, yeah, it's, you know... Those kind of stats shows that we are creating more chances. Well, no, because we're better on the ball. It's, it's not rocket science, is it? It's, confidence you know, as well. Yeah, you know, that's another thing we spoke about last season. Mm. There was a, there was definitely a lack of confidence. It was could the players think to themselves, "Oh, we deserve to be here. I can play in this division." And maybe that was missing last year, but this year it was totally different. Yeah, mindset, isn't it? You know, when you you know you can play at a level because they didn't know that before this first season in the championship, did they? So they're probably in the first season a bit apprehensive and thinking to themselves, are they good enough or are they not? Um, but they all know that they can play at this league, at uh, this level. And, um, you know, people like Gus, you know, Sheaf, people like that, the, the way they keep the ball, um, even Jamie Allen can keep the ball well as well. You know, uh, Callow Hare, you know, we've got players that who can keep the ball and, and that's why we're, the, you know, one of the best teams in the league for possession, you know. But, there's just work to be done. I don't know. You know, you're saying that after someone has scored, you know, over 17 goals this season. Yeah, Matty Golden getting, getting nearly one in two when he's fit. It's like, yeah. it's mad, isn't it? It's like, the, you know. The improvement shots from... went up though, didn't they? Because of the, yeah. you know, Jokerez was at the top of his game. Whereas mm. last year we were leveraging Biamu and, um, you <laughs> know, Biamu and Tyler Walker, right? For, for, yeah. for large parts of the season. And, and yeah. you know, we, we clearly know as as good as they were and put a shift in and as fun as it was to watch them on iFollow every, every week. Trying to walk up on a shift in, Dave, you sure? <laughs> as fun as it was to watch them on iFollow every week, they, you know, they obviously didn't have a season the same as what Jokic has had this year and that's that's been the spearhead, isn't it, for, for all of the good 
good thing that's happened up front, and it's just a, a bloody shame Matty Gordon it wasn't able to stay fit as well, right? Because he's uh, he's Ooh. a guy that's magic in the box. He would have definitely had another four to eight goals, you know, that, and that potentially could have been the difference in yeah, this, you know reaching those, especially in those you know those games we drew in that sort of that low period towards the end. You know, with a lot of draws during that period. You know, what the one extra goal that got him, you know, probably would have got being in some of those positions, then we could be sitting here. Well, we won't be sitting here doing the end of the season podcast now because we were going to Wembley in a week's time. But, you know, that's the difference. And you, you've mentioned the scoring. You know, Walker only had eight the previous season. Gokhrez had 17 this year. Matty yeah. Godden had more than that this year. Um, and we scored more goals. You know, we scored 60 as opposed to 49 last year. So there are improvements there. Yeah, I think um, I think it's the midfield area, isn't it? that need to start chipping in a bit more with the goals. Not enough, if, yeah. Yeah, if, you, if you're going to want to be in the playoffs, you've got to have a, someone in that midfield area or two of them. Heavy get, reliant on those two in Gokhrez yeah, and, exactly. and Gordon. You, you've, you've got to be having one of them at least getting double figures. Yeah. Insert Twitter member here, but it would be great if someone did a, you know, a review of that it'd be interesting to see who had the shots you know for us it's probably very easily available actually on like who scored or whatever but it would be interesting to see because I, I can count you know on on two hands that's clever of me but I can count on two hands the amount of times well, you've got three haven't you aren't you from the Nian originally <laughs> but like I can literally go through now and say there's at least 10 things that I can Alan um, and a few other midfielders that have made it into the box, but in glorious positions and, and not been able to finish. And I think it, that's probably where a lot of our shots and stuff, you know, don't get me wrong, Jokeres shoots for fun and that's great. But I'd say there's a lot of times where Cal and Jamie Allen and, and others from the midfield have, have made it into the box, glorious, you know, opportunities and positions, but just haven't converted. I know we don't like to, you know, we, we don't look too much into expected goals per game, but we were second on that list at 1.84. So that shows you everything. And we were the worst underperforming team, according to that table. We should have finished in fourth place if we went by that. So it shows a, it, that shows a lot, doesn't it? We don't have it, do we, for last season? But, but again, we said last season, all we said every single week on the lives was we can't carve out a chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, was just, it was like, put it on repeat, wasn't it, every week? And this week, this this season, put it on repeat, has been we've made so many opportunities, we just haven't been able to put them away in majority of games, and and that's been been the difference. But you know, it's it's great progress, isn't it? Has Matt fell asleep? <laughs> no, I'm just thinking if we if we if we do the uh, summary on who's had the most shots, I don't even think we need to do the stats. I mean, it's Hamer, surely. Even taking the strikers out, Hamer, uh, you know, and one of the things with with Hamer, surely. Um, you know, if he is with us next season and what can maybe take him to that next level is a little bit of decision making maybe in the final third. And we kind of look at this in terms of kind of shots and and everything else. You know, he's a fantastic player. He's our best technical player by by a mile. Um and one of the best technical players in this in this league. But we kind of talking about um shots and everything else. You know, the strikers, as you say, they've done their job and um it, it just through Godden and uh as alone. In terms of the midfield overall, I think we've seen periods of time where the, the midfielders have chipped in. It's, you know, you look at Fulham away and Reading and uh, and Birmingham and those kind of results and and what it can bring to us as a team. And um, but yeah, just for me, it must be it must be Hamu standing out in terms of kind of 
shots. And if he can, if he is with us next season, that is a big if, I think, at the moment. Um, but if he can tick over in terms of a little bit with regards to decision making, I think when it comes to getting into the final third, I remember the Bristol City game as a real standout one. You know, he um, driving from pretty much centre midfield, able to go at pace, hold hold the defenders off, got himself to the box. And I, I just remember it's, this is it's a shot. It's got a shot all over it here. And he just played a lovely ball into Gokarez, got the goal, win the game 2-1. And you're just thinking, as, as fantastic. You don't get me wrong in saying this. He's a fantastic player. He's our best player. But you also do see that potential if he can just maybe um, improve that decision-making in the final third. He becomes, you know, we can... We've all heard the talk of, the, of what he should go for, 15, 20 million, etc. It's not going to be that if he does go at the moment, but um, it, it, you can see where that kind of money could quite easily be uh, a realistic amount for him if he just, um, yeah, just makes that slight improvement in terms of decision making. But I think um, he's still a young guy. You know, obviously that's going to come, come with time as well. I have found the stat. Who had there the most go. shots? Hamer's had the least. There we go. I've no. gone on that big run. <laughs> <laughs> well, he had 66 shots this season. Fair amount. Um, Jokerez had 136. And that was, uh, how's my maths again? 45 more than Callum O'Hare at 91. So, you know, Vic's, you know, conversion rate isn't great there when you look at that really is 136 opportunities. I know some of them will be, you know, rough shots from here, there and everywhere, but again, 17 at, at 17 out of 136. Improvements really, again, with Jokerez, he's, he's made fantastic strides for us. You know, he did show us, Andy mentioned at the start of the podcast, he's made fantastic strides um, and, and he showed potential um, from last season as well. I, you know, probably wouldn't have expected him to, to be pushing 20 goals this season. Um, but the, again, 23, 24 years of age, he's still got a lot of time to, to grow as a player. But, the, you know, this is the, the other thing with these um, big name players that we're talking about that we've now got as major assets for, as you know, Callum O'Hare, Gokarez, Hamer. They've all got areas that you think they can make a natural kind of tweak or progression or, or get a little bit naturally better as they um you know, become a bit more experienced and they are going to hit those kind of 15, 20 million um, price tags that we're already starting to talk about, which maybe are a little bit, um, a, a little bit ahead of ourselves on, on that front. But yeah, you know, in terms of kind of his finishing, we've seen a number of his goals have been um, kind of, he's held defenders off really well. He's got a shot in, but he hasn't really kind of put it top corner at any point. Um you know, he's not afraid of a shot, but he brings so much more to the team as well. He's, he's obviously, in terms of a target man, and we know we've had a lot of opposition managers um, heap a lot of praise on him for his uh, his abilities around the goal-scoring side as well. So all round, it's been a fantastic season of progression for him. Now I'm going to mention the elephant in the room a little bit. Does anyone else think it was a bit of a missed opportunity this season, considering where we were in January, when we could have made you know, potential movements? Um, do you mean not investing? Yeah, yeah, especially like you know, we let Walker go. I know he wasn't really cut, you know, cutting the mustard, but you know, we never made any sort of attacking change, did no, we? He just bought Bidwell, didn't he? Yeah, that was the only move made. And you're thinking, well, how poor the league was looking at that time. Teams were beating each other. You know, no one was really making strides. I kind of feel like I know hindsight's a wonderful thing, but I kind of feel like we kind of missed an opportunity. I'm not, not sure on your thoughts. It would have been a bit snapshot, though, wouldn't it, to go and do that in January. January's a tough window. Of course, um, yeah, yeah. Never really that many people, and you do pay a premium to bring people in at, at that point. 
Um, I just we we were hearing, weren't we, rumblings that the squad would get investment and would be supported if we were in X position going into the transfer window. I think, and I think we were in the position actually at the, at the time, um, and th- and that didn't really come. Like you say, Bidwell came in, Walker went out, which you know I understand that because he 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 he's looking to put him put you know put him move him on obviously and you've got to get people playing to be able to do that um if he went and made a name for himself at Portsmouth then it, it, he would have had some interest this summer um so you know that's 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 been done um i think it is a missed opportunity but it's also a very tough window to to try and stride forward i think when you look at the likes of Cameron Archer moving to Preston would, you know yeah keep more it it would take a brave man to obviously gamble on that especially with, you know, we've spoke about how we as a club are sort of managing finances and we're doing it the right way. But I feel like it was worth, you know, a gamble, personally. Yeah, sure. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because we, the gamble that we, we've we possibly done financially is securing people on new contracts. Yeah, um, yeah, we, know, yeah we shouldn't forget which, that. Which we did. And that may well pay pay dividends when we come to sell them because you know they'll 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 have an extension on a contract and they're harder to prize away and all of that that goes with that so yeah it's difficult but I I would say that the club that's probably maybe what the decision was at the time was that actually do we spend the extra revenues on securing the service of these players and we turned down some bids for some of our key players that we're just not going to be able to replace quick enough we haven't highlighted the replacements we don't know who they are we don't know where they are we're actually already gearing up for the summer transfer window, which is what we heard from from Body, haven't we, in in the past? Um, it it, but it, but I can understand why a lot of fans would feel like it's a missed opportunity because everything was heading in the right direction, and it felt that we just needed a little bit more depth. I think um, more than anything at that point. But but really, who do you bring in? If if that makes sense, it's it's difficult. Um, we're just probably more unfortunate that players like Waghorn, um, you know, and, so, and others, but that comes to mind straight away, just didn't hit the heights that we probably expected at the, at the start of the season. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all in all, a very, very good season for the Sky Blues. Improvement, of course, progress obviously made to four places higher in the league, 12th uh, in securing a, a top half finish and nine points better off too. You're listening to Sky Blues Extra. Okay, before we move on to the awards part of this evening's proceedings, let's look ahead to next season and look at some of the the squad details. Obviously, some departures have already been been made. Two notable ones in, obviously, Jordan Shipley and Jody Jones. Shipley going to to Shrewsbury for, for a small nominal fee. Jody Jones being released as well and obviously the end of the the loans for for Jake Clark and Ian Matson very unlikely we'll get both of those back next season but you live in hope um so Matt what what were your thoughts on on those two sort of high profile departures in in Shipley and Jones yeah I think Shipley is one of those situations he actually at points during the season I know kind of we obviously spoke a, a fair bit about him on the podcast you do feel at the moment probably he is not quite right up there in terms of kind of championship championship quality. He feels like a really good League One player, but um, you know championship quality. What you, what you are missing with Shipley when he 
leaves the club is that utility man. And I think he's the kind. that's the kind of position you always want in a club. Somebody who can come in and just fill a number of gaps. And, I, and again, I, you know, that saying championship level, it's not to, to sound too disrespectful. He's, he's obviously a very good footballer. And I think in a year or two, when he's getting regular football is a big thing as well. He could quite easily, you know, um, step up and be a, a very strong level championship player for sure. Um, but from a quality perspective, yeah, not maybe right at that level at this minute in time, but still from the perspective of uh, you always know when, when Shipley pulled the shirt on for the Sky Blues, he was going to give 100%. Um, and he was he had that ability to step into, you know, wing-back positions. He could play centre midfield, he could play attacking midfield. You know, he's going to cover a lot of the pitch and he's always a good man to, to have around the squad as well. So um was very emotional when he obviously left on the final day. I don't think anybody... Um, outside of the club, had a major amount of knowledge about the fact that he was leaving and uh, it became quite apparent with his reaction when he came off as a substitute and then again at the end of the game. So, um, you know, the main thoughts around Shipley are obviously a massive amount of appreciation for the service that he's put in for the club because he's been massive over the last three or four years of um, and a big part of our huge um, return back to the levels that we, we should be at. In terms of Jody Jones, again... That kind of situation for me, I think it's a situation hopefully where it's going to work out best for him to move on and go somewhere he's going to get regular football because we're just in a position where we can't guarantee that for him. Um, obviously, he struggled with injuries again this season, but not. Um, but there probably would have been more opportunities. But, um, you know, the in terms of kind of the, the level we're playing at, we probably weren't ready just to go all in on him this season. And obviously, competition the likes of Callum O'Hare there on, on the pitch for him to compete with um, most directly. So Plus, we don't play with wingers, do we? So, you know, that's that's a huge part of his game. We're shifting him out, shifting him out of his best position yeah. to try and kind of shoehorn him into another area. And I'm sure he could have done, you know, a solid job. And we're all, you know, very excited about what he's done for the club in the past. And, um, you know, again, another player that I think could quite easily be a, a solid championship level player. But at this stage of his career, he needs to go out and... Uh, play regular football and we're, we're not in a situation where we can guarantee that for him at the moment so again sad to see him go for sure a brilliant um, opportunity for both of them isn't it really you yeah know, you know go and shine elsewhere let's not hold them back you know let's not be selfish here exactly <laughs> yeah i mean he should be he should be you, you know league one clubs league two for sure should be chomping at the bit because he already showed what he could do kind of at those um levels in previous seasons for us so League One and two clubs should be absolutely, um, you know, they should be at war trying to get his signature because he could be a massive asset. And again, you know, he's not going to command a fee, obviously. So to be able to get him in on a free um, would be a, a massive coup, in my opinion, as I think Shipley will be for, for Shrewsbury as well. As he mentioned briefly, the two Chelsea loanies, I think Matson, unfortunately, we're going to struggle to see him come back, which is a, which is a shame. Jake Clark-Salter, I'm still hopeful. Um, maybe realistically maybe not but um yeah i think he would be a real key signing for us if we can get him back on a permanent that kind of mold of you know we've we've done so well on that basis over the last few seasons i think andy mentioned it earlier on in terms of that's our that's our mo really we, we're kind of going to need to um bring players in on loan and then try and develop them from there and we've done well with yokarez and chief and, and a few others as well so fingers crossed on that one andy we've got some assets at the club don't we the big three, shall we call them? Um, what, what's your what's your thoughts on 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 their situation? Obviously, tied down to contracts. Um, it would it would take some cash, wouldn't it, to 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 move them on? 
a big offer. Um, you know, especially thinking they're part of the the spine, and if we want to, you know, progress further next year again, we yeah. need them. We need all three, but I think we'll have two. Oh, okay. I, I think we'll have Vic and Cal. I think Hamer will do go. You, a lot of people have said Hamer is the one that's replaceable. Do you do you do you agree with that? Um, yeah, he's replaceable, but he's going to have to be. He's going to cost some um, cash. Yeah. Um, if you, or, would you be happy in a situation hypothetically? We let Hamer go, you know, let's say for yeah. 10 million, and we replaced him with okay. three or four good players, you know, maybe two that could go into the midfield, and then you've got a bigger squad. Would you be happier with that? Depends who they sign. Um, I always get flashbacks, you know, when you sell your best player, like Gareth Bale for Tottenham, and, and sign six players that are absolutely rubbish, bar Christian Eriksen. So um, it depends, doesn't it? Um, and will Robbins get all that money, Dino? I'd probably doubt yeah, it. that's a big, that's um, a big one. It, that's probably the, the, the biggest question of it all. Um, he's going to be a huge miss, unfortunately, Dean, if he leaves, um, and very hard to replace. That kind of ability on the ball, the ray of passing, um, you know, yeah, I haven't seen that quality since the Premier League. It's McAllister-esque, isn't uh, it? It is. It's Safri McAllister-esque. It's... Very hard to find Dino, mate. But, you know, Robbins will have a plan. He yeah. always does. Um, and we've got to trust in that plan. But I think we'll have the other two. I can't see the other two going. I might be wrong. You know, I have been before. I, I think you're um, absolutely right. The only way Victor goes, because I think he's absolutely yeah. pivotal to, way, to the way we want to play, he only goes if we get circa 16 million plus. Yeah, no one's going to pay that. they're not going to pay that. No. Not for nah, one. Nah. It's not a one-season wonder. But he is. He is. That tweet moment. I saw from a Middlesbrough fan was it? Too Absolutely. Uh, who was that? They should have their account <laughs> revoked for for talking absolute nonsense. They should be suspended for a month to think about their actions. <laughs> yeah, stupid that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I agree with you on that. Dave, where where do you think we need to strengthen the, in the summer? I think um, I think the number ten role. We need someone to work alongside Cal. There's a lot. A lot of pressure, I think, and a lot on his shoulders. And he played a hell of a lot of minutes. But I think that the box formation is what Robbins wants to play. He's, he's done it for a long time now. He likes that. Um, it, whether it's with two or one up front, because he's been doing that a couple of times this season. Regardless of that, you need quality in there. And I love Jamie Allen. I think he's had a really good season. But he's been probably the player that's been in that position, um, you know, more more times than not replacing either the cow or, or that role and I just don't think he's just not that's not his position yeah. for me and he's also not that ability is he you know let's let's be fair he's not the sort of he's not going to do what cow cow does exactly and we and we just need someone to link up with cow and and that's why you know coming on to Andy's point I, I agree that Hamer's probably the one that's easier to let go because okay he has an array of passing and gets us moving and gets us on the front foot we do tend to play our way up the field and play up as a unit um, and the reason that breaks down is because you have players that, that come in from the squad rotation like like Jamie Allen at times I think he keeps the ball well but he's he's always a bit um, you know guilty of, of that and Shipley and, and players like that and they can't quite play at the same level or speed of, of, of Cal, Jokeres and 
and that's when it breaks down. And I think we just need a really good number, sort of, you know, ten, I guess, or that, or, or, or whatever that can just play behind. Not ten, sorry, but you know, just play behind that that sort of Cal O'Hare role and and, and support that. Because it also gives you an option if you are going to play Gordon and Yokres together, you can take O'Hare out the firing line if he's not, you know, performing yeah. or you know he's tired or etc. You've got somebody a ready replacement there that can fill that gap. And then you can play both. Yeah, and as I think well. Vic as well, right, has has shown so many times this season where he's held the ball up and there's just no not been there. anyone there yeah. to play football with. Yeah. <laughs> he's had to wait and delay and delay and delay, and then all the momentum's gone and, and defenders are back in. And we need he's a bit like Cal the Dragon, isn't he, Big Vic? You're just playing with, with himself. <laughs> I don't mean playing with himself. Anyway, move on. Carry on. I don't know who the Dragon is, and I don't. You don't know, know who Cal the Dragon himself. is? No. Oh come but... on, mate! You're not on TikTok. This is a guy who plays football with wheelie bins. Right. Because I don't think he's got I'll, many friends. I'll check it out after yeah. after this. Yeah, please do. Um, but please continue with your point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, we do need someone, I think, that will do that. I think we also need a good centre-back. I know we've brought McFadzine in for another year. Um, and I know we might be assigned JCS. I still think he's just a young lad. I really feel like we need a centre-back to come in that is... Similar, similar to what Simon Moore was. He had the pedigree, but he just never had the games. Does that make sense? Yeah. He'd been at really good clubs, um, and he'd never really been able to show what he could do. I don't think uh, uh, enough or on enough occasions, which meant that he was a free or a, or a low signing and and wasn't quite. You know, he was a free. But what I'm saying is, is this person isn't going to spend or cost us the world. Um, but it's just because they haven't had a platform to, to do so, I think. And that would be, for me, an ideal centre-back that could come in and, and organise that. As good as Haim is, as good as Rose is, I still don't see them as out-and-out leaders for, for myself. Yeah, and I also think you've got a, a little bit of a situation at, you know, coming up with, with Michael Rose. There are people interested in him. We've heard that. He could be departing. It will take a, a decent deal again to, to let him go, but you might we might be in a position where we need two or three, you know, to well, and we need a left back as well. So you know that that the, the defence. We always is... need a left back, Dino. <laughs> we just rent them year on year, on year on year. We should open up our own sort of like blockbusters. <laughs> we can just go just give you know, off offer left backs to everybody, and you know would be the would be a. We've not had member. a left back, have we, for such some time? And now Bidwell's shied away from it and he's played better every time he's played at centre yeah, back to try and force himself out of that role as well. Yeah, nobody wants it, do they? Nobody <laughs> wants it. Uh, Matt, I know obviously you've got your your eyes on all things lower league football, shall we say. Um, is there anyone that sort of caught your eye that you would like to potentially sign maybe from our league or, or the lower leagues? Um, yeah, I know there's already been a bit of buzz around McCurdy and obviously he's making a bit of a name for himself now with um, his performance in performances in the playoffs and he does look like an exciting player you know um just so direct potentially has that flexibility to pay up front but also playing behind a couple of strikers as well um so would potentially provide that uh competition for o'hare and and obviously open up what we can do from that front so certainly obviously he is a couple of levels below so you have to kind of i guess maybe take a little bit of pinch of salt there in terms of you know it's great scoring 20 25 goals in in league two but um is that going to translate to the championship but just looking at his style of play the way he's he is so direct his technique on the ball as well that second goal he scored 
um, on Sunday, I think, against Port Vale, just showed his ability and his confidence as well. Um, I think he would be a really exciting player that we could probably look to get on a, you know, on the budget we would have. Obviously, our budget might increase on the basis of, of who goes out of the club as well. But, um, but you know, even not taking that into account, he might be one that um, is realistic for us. And there's a few players, well, a lot of players obviously being released in the summer and kind of looking at the areas that we would probably um, need to address. I think kind of just going down the spine of the team as well, we, we're probably going to need to address centre-half. Um, centre midfield as well. There's a few good experienced centre halves available. Obviously, we know we're going to have McFadden for another season, but again, at some point that's going to come to an end. Um, and I think even if um, we we have Rose and we have Hyam still there, kind of getting that experience to come in. There's a lots of uh, Lenahan and Morrison and Mawson are all available in the summer. Um, there might be an opportunity there on, with Dave in terms of you know ideally if we can get. Clark Salter. Clark Salter for me, in terms of what was disappointing, is obviously he had so many injuries and he didn't really have that opportunity to massively play himself into form. But when he he kind of got a few games in, you could just see that quality there. So hopefully, if we can do something there, I can't be... see him coming, Matt. Yeah, it's, it's gonna be, it is going to be tricky. Um, is that because he's going to? He's obviously not going to stay at Chelsea, right? Wages, yeah. mate. Yeah. There's, a lot of, there's a lot of cash needed there. It's huge. He's on big wages at Chelsea. He ain't going to come down. I, I doubt it. There'll be other suitors for him as well, in my opinion. Yeah, you think about. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be a push for us, but it's probably going to take that investment that maybe we have had in other areas of the pitch and saying it's going yeah. to be an important thing for us to do in defence. It's always, you know, kind of you put that those finances towards the top end of the pitch, and we've obviously spent a lot of money on. Um, wages for a for a, a Martin Waghorn this season it hasn't quite worked out. Um, but do we take that jump and and kind of say, well, you know, we need we need to address this at the back as well, potentially on a on a long term basis because we don't know what the future might look like for Rose and Hyam. Um, but even still, we know at some point in the next you know couple of years we're going to lose McFadden, um, and we're going to need that cover back there as well. So. You know, if we, I think this is where we're talking about taking the next steps and, and potentially talking about our ability to, um, you know, jump up into those playoff places because we, we're going to need to do that at some point and, and have that little bit more investment in those other areas of the field. And it's easier said than done, but, um, you know, one or two right decisions in those areas and it, it can make a massive, massive difference. You're likely to get the money back, aren't you? Yeah. You, you mm-hmm. know, it, yeah. It, he, he's sort of, as another player like Sheaf, or like Jokeres, that actually, with a bit of time, they've they've come really, really good, and 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 they will go for money. You know, they they just will in the end. And still young, as you it, say, it's whether you make that jump. And I, I you know, I'm not as, as massive. I'm not his biggest fan personally, but he's very young, and like you say, he's shown enough that I think with regular games and no injuries and just the pedigree that he's got from being in the Chelsea setup for such a time. He he will go for more money than than what we eventually spend on him, on on wages. You know that's uh, a guaranteed. I think the thing is the the injury side of thing that would be the concern for me because like I say when he's been able to play a run of games this season you've you've started to see you know he's he's shaken off whatever niggle or, or whatever he's had and you've started to see that um, that ability that he's obviously got. You know you don't spend that amount of time at Chelsea and um, without having that level of quality so. I think the injury side is going to be a big thing for him because he, he obviously has struggled to um, to stay free of injuries and that's why he maybe isn't playing at a higher level. Um, you know, maybe he's not Chelsea level, but 
potentially he could have played at uh, you know a l- lower level Premier League team if he'd have stayed fit. So I think it's one of them. We could probably well, obviously from a transfer fee perspective, we could see him come in um, with very little cost. We might then just have to put a little bit of money behind that from a uh, wages perspective. But as you say, Dave, I think ultimately he's one that we're probably going to see we would at the very least get our investment back. And, I, you know, he's the type of player I think we need to be sort of investing in because he, the, the how he plays is pivotal to how we play as a team. You need one of the defenders to be able to come out with the ball and he is super confident with coming out. We saw some of those marauding big mo runs, shall we say, um, through the season. And I think that's absolutely pivotal. Um, but I think the more we talk, Andy... There's big holes appearing in the, in this squad. Would you expect a big turnover then in that case? Well, we need defenders, don't we? Um, we haven't got a left back, like you say. Madison's gone back. Um, Bidwell is better playing at left centre half. Um, and you know, if we don't get Clarks, and there's question marks over Dabo's fitness, yeah, in my opinion, one, yeah. and, and Todd Kane's form. Agreed. So I, there's a problem there as well. And also centre-halves, you know, if, if, if we miss out on Clark Salter, would you be happy with high and rows and fat? Not for a whole season. And then you've only got no, Drysdale maybe so, to come back so, and come in. You know, that, you know, we were, I think, conceded, you know, 15th worst or in the league this season. So, you know, there, there's, there, that area is, is weak and it's got even weaker with the, the, the departure of uh, Madison and uh, Clark Salter. So, yeah, plenty of work to do. Um, I know there's work to do in the other end of giving us a little bit more cutting edge from midfield, but I think there's more work to do in a defensive area, in my opinion. But on the on the but Robbins will know that, won't he, Dean? I'm not gonna you know shower shit on our end of season review, mate. So um He will now, he's obviously listening. Yeah. In. yeah. Of course he is. You know, the He's actually in the room so. live and you just don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Get that. He'll be like, Oh god, defenders, it. I knew there was something I was missing. <laughs> Yeah, I had salad. I had the shopping list. I had that. <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, um, but he'll know those situations. But I think it's a big area that we need to improve it. You're listening to Sky Blues Extra. Right, let's move it on to the most exciting part of the evening, ladies and gentlemen. It's the Sky Blues Extra Podcast Awards. So I, I was going to try and Sorry. get some theme music, but um, you know, the budget doesn't stretch, shall we say? To that, um, it just about pays for for a Zoom. Um, so let's let's start with the the young player of the season, um, Dave. Who 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 would you say is is deserving of this award? I'm going to go for Taveras, as he's. It sounds awful when Matson's obviously clearly played so much more and probably done more, um, but I just think uh, for me, yeah, Taveras is has shown so much in in the little time that he's had on the pitch. Um, and he's obviously been very patient, um, got his chance, and he and he's shown it. And I just think, in terms of one with the other, you know, leaving the club, it going forward, and and the optimism that I have for him as a player is 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 huge. So that's that's why I've gone with him. But obviously, there are some others that are as deserving, maybe more deserving. But for me, um, yeah, he, he's had a he's had a fantastic first sort of glimpse of what you know, the first 11 can be like, and uh, I've really liked what I've seen and, and ma- mainly more positive about the future. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, it's the moment you've been waiting for. The gruesome twosome are here. They've sent us in their thoughts on, on all the awards this evening. 
so let's let's hear first of all from live from the JD changing rooms. It's it's Tom Ward on his thoughts on the young player of the season. Young player of the season um, is quite a tough one for me. Um, I think oh, I would have loved to say Tavares, um, and I wanted him to have more time this season off the bench, but I don't think he's had quite enough game time. Even even you know that there was that cameo against Preston, the goal he scored, he hasn't done quite enough to to earn young player of the season. Um, my other one was was Ian Matson, who I think I'll have to go for here. Um, I think he's had a really good season. He's been quite influential in our team. Um, really particularly enjoyed the spell he had when he moved further up the pitch. And some of the highlights was that Reading game. Uh, also Sheffield United at home, where he had a, a real impact in that game and a handful of, hand in a couple of the goals. Um, also not forgetting his finish against Fulham, probably up there as one of the goals of the season. Um, so yeah, for me, um, it would have to be Ian Matson for young player of the season. Never mind the JD changing rooms. He sounds like he's in Boris Johnson's fridge. What's going on there? Uh, either way, let's let's also hear from from Ross as well. He's taking time out of his hair, getting his hair done to to give us his thoughts. So for me, young player of the season has to go to Ian Matson, our loney from Chelsea. I think he was superb. I think he he attacked well. He uh, was a constant threat. His energy. Added a great deal to our left wing back slot throughout the season. Uh, he contributed with some important goals, including that a, a sensational strike against Fulham. I actually think this season is one of the few in recent times where we've not had that many nominations for young player of the season. Usually we've had a very young squad. That hasn't been the case so much. We've brought in more experience. Um, Tavares, honourable mention for the a decent cameo here and there, but I think, you know, for the body of work throughout the season, uh, Ian Matson gets my vote for Young Player of the Season. So there you have it, folks. The winner of the Young Player of the Season from the Skybridge Extra team is Ian Matson. Dortmund bound, it sounds like, too, Ian Matson. So, fantastic season from him. You know, some memorable moments, as as we said, the the goal against Fulham obviously is the one that, that sticks out, but some great performances at left-back too. Right, the second award of the evening is a big one. It's the goal of the season award. Some brilliant goals this season, both individually and team goals. Uh, Matt, talk us through through some of the contenders, if you, if you don't mind. Yeah, a couple that stand out from earlier on in the campaign and uh, Ross has just mentioned it there. Matson's strike against Fulham, it's probably the cleanest strike of the season. He's just absolutely powered it in uh, on the angle. Always looks good when you, you see a goal go in of that nature. So that would be up there. Another one for me, um, which probably won't get as much notoriety, is, is Vic's second goal, I think it was, in that game. More from the ball, um, I think it was Matt Godden's ball from kind of pretty much in, just inside our half on the on the right wing. It's just absolutely inch perfect and it just always stuck with me throughout the season. So a bit of a left field one there and it probably doesn't won't get as, as much support, but uh, something that really stood out for me. Obviously, Shipley's goal in the loss to QPR. Again, if there was a contender um, that might challenge Matson's for the cleanest strike, that would be up there as well. And um, good to see him get, get that moment as well. Uh, obviously, you got Tavares's goal against Preston, which was a massive moment. Not just in terms of the quality of the goal, but yeah, we were all calling for, for him to get more game time at that point. And I think everybody was just delighted to see him get that moment and get his goal and show what he could do. Um, and one that would probably, from from my perspective, get the the nod is Matt Godden's goal against Derby, just for the nature of the interplay between him and 
O'Hare for that goal is just kind of reminds me again, showing my age here in terms of kind of that cold York connection that you'd you get. You are in showing your age with those two. I am showing my age a little you bit. Could have, yeah, you could have had it like Kane and Son, <laughs> you know, anyone. Uh, Bergkamp, Henri, uh, Henri and Overmars. Bergkamp, Henri isn't really much better, is it? Well, the, yeah, okay. the same well, time? No, it was later. Bergkamp was still a bit later. Yeah, let's go Kane, Son. That's what I okay. was thinking. Um, but just that moment of kind of every element of that goal, if you watch it back, is is inch perfect. And it needs to be, uh, including no heads headed down to um, Godden. If he's, again, if it's closer to the keeper, he's easily pouncing on the ball. If it's kind of the other way then it's going to be easily cut out by the defender if the pace isn't right then Godin's going to be you know a wider angle it's just perfectly meets his run so that none of the defenders can kind of get on it and then the strike from Godin is again it's just so pure and clean and it's so well hit um so some of the contenders for me again personal vote I probably would go for that one but yeah when you actually look back and there's some some fantastic goals we've scored this season Andy is there one that sticks out for you yeah the the uh the uh, Godin one at Derby just um, for the team team element, but, the passing, the movement. Oh, it's yeah. just one 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 touch FIFA shit. <laughs> it's just awesome. You know, you know that is just premium. It's a bit, I haven't seen a goal like that. For it's a like the Wilshire one, it was wasn't just, it? Versus Norwich, it kind of felt like that sort of flicks and stuff. You know, you can score a worldie from thirty yards like Shippers does, but that was just pure one touch class. It was just everything like Matt just said about it was just perfect. And um, for me, that 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 beats any goal that um, that may have won. Um, I know Shipper's got this the Coventry one, didn't he? The official one. Um, but now, nah, for me, uh, Godden's goal against Derby was just absolutely sublime. We've also got a tweet out to to get our followers' thoughts. And uh, Naomi, of course, has gone for O'Hare's second versus Sheffield United. And uh, Neil went for Shipley versus QPR. So did Harry. He said he couldn't have hit it any sweeter. Cobb Jace. Is in agreement with you boys. Godden versus Derby for the passing and movement. Uh, the geography teacher, Mr. Chilton, he went for Godden versus Bristol just because of the energy in the stadium it, it provoked. Barney went for Garcares versus Cardiff for the build up play strength and pace that Vic's shown. And Tavares only got one mention from, from Jolan um, in, in, the, in, the, uh, in the tweet. So. Uh, let's hear from let's hear from from Wardy on his thoughts on on goal of the season too. Goal of the season, another really tough one to pick out um, compared to last season when there weren't many amazing goals. Um, yeah, the obvious ones that stick out in my mind are Shipley at home against QPR, absolute thunderstrike into the top corner. Um, there was obviously Godden versus Derby, which was just an absolutely brilliant team goal, really pleasing on the eye. And there was Tavares against um, against Preston as well, which was a real highlight. Um, I think I'm probably going to go for Godden against Derby. I just think for the aspect of it being a, a team goal, a lovely move, um, obviously, you know, got us 1-0 up away from home at Derby it was limbs in the away end I think I will go for Godden versus Derby for this one split decision chaps I'm going to give Dave the casting vote on this one Shipley versus QPR or Godden versus Bristol who's who uh, Godden versus Derby sorry who's who's the winner for you Dave I'm going to go Godden uh, wow. Wow. For, for me and and Jordan Shipley's leaving and you're not even giving him that oh I know but um but it, that was a fantastic strike as well. Um, actually, there's one that as no one's already mentioned is Hamers, I think, against Peterborough, or um, which was a strike from quite quite a way out. Um, 
but yeah, I'll go for the Gordon one. There you go. Matty Gordon, congratulations. You win goal of the season for a fantastic goal versus Derby. Um, so yeah, we'll uh, we'll get your award in the in the post, of course. <laughs> right, let's move on to to game of the season. Obviously, some incredible games this year. Probably the most for a long time. I I would say so. This is a tough one, Dave. How about you kick us off on this one and, and your thoughts? Yeah, the the main three that stick out for me are Forest um, and the, and the two Fulhams really, but. You could add to the list any of those where we had a last-minute equaliser or or winner, really, because the the atmosphere, especially at the CBS, was just absolutely unreal when that was happening. It felt like it was happening every single week. But I think just the sheer, for me, the sheer, couldn't believe it. You know, the surprise of of, of the of the Fulham win at home was just for me was was in, was incredible. I don't think anyone was expecting it at the time. No, definitely not. Let's uh, let's hear from 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 the guys again. Let's get Ross's Ross's thoughts on this one. Well, this season has been the best season I've seen in my lifetime. So exciting, and we've had some brilliant results along the way. Sheffield United and Fulham at home uh, were sublime. Um, Fulham away as well. But for me, game of the season, it's the first one that springs to mind: Bristol City at home, um, going down uh, to ten men, coming back. Uh, from a goal down twice, 1-0 to 1-1, then 2-1 down to 2-2, and then outplaying Bristol City with 10 men and a superb goal by Matty Gordon. Very underrated goal, underrated finish, sublime whip and sort of elevation on the shot. But just that performance and the fact it was the last kick of the game, iconic celebration, took his top off, swinging it around his head, lawnmower, yeah, it, it was brilliant. Uh, that 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 sticks out for me as a game of the season. Matt, are you in sort of agreement with with Ross or Dave on on this one? It's so difficult it is, because it? <laughs> I think this is the hardest one of of the night. Hundred percent, yeah. So many late performances, late comebacks, late um, results from positions where we didn't look like we were going to get anything from the game. You know, just sitting thinking about it, there's more and more and more that come to mind. Both games against Bristol City, of course, we got the late winner away uh, from home as well. I probably would agree with Dave just on the basis of the fact of 4-1 against Fulham. I think that period of time, um, you know, after half time, that 20-minute period of time where we've put four past the clear, as it is shown now, the clear and away best team in the division. I think at that point of the season as well, we'd obviously had a good start, but we were still, um, you know, maybe some um not concerns but just thoughts about well is this going to last where can we realistically expect to compete and i think in that 25 30 minute period after half time against fulham we really did say or, or show the league that we were you know we had the capabilities to really compete at the top end of this division so yeah just that just for that 30 minutes alone against fulham is just unbelievable i would probably nod towards that uh, first game against fulham yep all good points but the winner is going to be the Bristol 3-2 victory, mainly for, you know, the sort of energy that it gave off, the sound. I don't think I've heard the CBS like that ever. It was ridiculous, wasn't it? That, the, I say the, the roof could have come off. It's already off, obviously. But just to, to come back with 10 men, showing that we had the capability to play with a man less and still be the best side on the pitch. And... I think the belief started to, to show at that point that we could sort of mix it up. So I hope you don't begrudge me me giving that to, to the Bristol 3-2 
comeback victory. I, I think that's that's definitely deserving of a of a game of the season. Right, final award, player of the season, and perhaps the the most coveted, of course. Some real standouts in this category. Andy, give us your thoughts. Who gets the the nod from you? Um, between two men for me, um, Big Vic and Gus. Oh, I'm tied between the two. I was going to say Hamer this morning and this afternoon when I went for my little walk. Did you go for a pre-pod walk? No, before I go and pick my son up from school, I go for a little pre, you know, pick my lad up from school, so I go for a little 20. I was thinking on the walk, I was thinking, yeah, I'm going to pick Hamer. But I'm going for Big Vic. The way he's, you know, dominated the start of the season he had and then he had a bit of a lull. Uh, but the way he came back uh, towards the end of the season and the point you made earlier, Dino, that he is so instrumental to how we play um, and the work rate he does. And, you know, he's like a, he's like a two man, one man forward battery, man, <laughs> isn't he? He's just, he's absolutely fantastic. And because um, Hamer's leaving, I'm giving it a big <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> the way to do it. Uh, Matt, are you in agreement on that one? Uh, no, I've, I've probably got what would be considered a bit of a left field answer to this and not from the respect of people, you know, will think he hasn't had a great season because I don't think everybody's in agreement that he has, but maybe doesn't just doesn't get the headlines as others will. So I, I can't imagine other people are going to agree with me here, but I'm going to go with it anyway. And for me, I, I would say Simon Moore just because of the fact of um, goalkeeper is such a massive massively important position on a football field and I think just the confidence that he's given the rest of the team um, in terms of his ability to you know shot stopping is excellent he's just a confidence exuding goalkeeper somebody who you can feel you know comfortable even if there is a slight slip up and a mistake it's not a given that the ball is going to end up in the back of the net and um, I just personally think you know you're never going to get those headlines as a goalkeeper but I think he's probably had as big an impact as a lot of the other people who are going to get a lot more attention. And um, yeah, so it's, I, again, I can't imagine it's going to win the vote by, by any stretch of the imagination. But um, yeah, I, I would go for Simon Moore. I bet you're grinning like the Cheshire Cat, Dave, aren't you? Your mate, Big Simon Moore, <laughs> getting, a, getting a shout out. That's, uh, I agree, though. I think, how many times did we do the lives last season or pods and... and we, you know, this season we talked about man of the matches and so many players go under the radar because they're just consistent. We used to say it about Haim last year and we said it a lot about they just they don't get in a shout for the you know man of the match because they're just so consistent. And I, I agree with Matt. It, you know, Simon Moore's made a, a huge, huge impact um, in, in there. Um, but I think for me, I agree with Andy. It was between two people. Um, I didn't go out on a pre-pod walk and bump into Vic so that he twisted my arm to to choose choose him. So, um, but no, I I I think it's it's uh, Vic for me as well. Um, Hamer's been absolutely amazing, but I think Vic's been up there at times on his own. He's had to do a lot of hard yards um, on his own, and I think Hamer's just you know I I, I think Hamer's also given us a bit of an issue times because of his yeah. his disciplinary record. About to, um, that's surely got to go against him for a lot of votes, isn't it? Yeah, and, and actually there's been times we've had to play without him or we've had we had to come off because of, you know, the precarious position that he's in and Vic's not done that once at all. In fact, he's gone and 
he covered more yards than probably anyone it feels like at times on the pitch and when we didn't have the squad depth he's the one that's just had to play out the 90 minutes even though he was sort of absolutely dead on his feet and still uh, given everything plus you know top goal scorer and everything's in his favour um, a fantastic season for the big super Swede and a call up to, to the Swedish national side for the summer internationals too so well that's what yeah. player of the season gets you <laughs> <laughs> yeah the Swedish boss obviously listened to well he wouldn't have listened to the pod already unless he's a time traveller but there you go. Uh, let's listen to, to Wardy and Ross's thoughts back to back here. Player of the season. Um, I think for me, I'm going to go with Big Vic. Um, I actually, to be honest, I was very close to saying Ben Sheaf. And actually, if he'd had a, wow. a slightly quicker and better start to the season, I probably would have gone for him and he probably would have won hands down across the board. Um, but yeah, I think Vic's been absolutely unbelievable this season. I think he's so influential in our team. He's so strong, so powerful, and he's got 18 goals to show for it this season. I think that's a really, really good return, um, considering where he was last season. I think he's come on so much. He offers something that, in my opinion, we've never, ever had at Coventry City. Um, you know, just the way he just charges at defenders, they absolutely panic, is, is great to see. Um, and long may we hold on to him, uh, at least for one more season. And I really, truly believe that if he can get 20 goals and Godden can stay fit and get 15 goals and O'Hare can maybe chip in with 8 to 10 goals, then we will get promoted next season. I have no doubts about that at all, or at least we'll get into the playoffs and then uh, it'll be the old lottery of the playoffs. Um, but yeah, I will go for Victor Jokeres as my player of the season. Player of the season. For me, this was a two-horse race. Again, as always, some very good performances elsewhere. But for me, it was between Victor Jokeres, um and Gustavo Hamer. And ultimately, our, our, my player of the season is our Brazilian. Gustavo Hamer. I think in so many games this season, he has literally grabbed the game by the scruff of the neck. And his energy, his desire, his hunger, his work rate, everything, that electricity that he has on the pitch has won us games single-handedly. Now, take Bristol City away, for example. Vic scored the goal which won us the game. But that goal never happens if it's not for Hamer in the middle of the park, getting ahead of the Bristol City players, winning that ball and then driving forward. And he's done that countless times this season. He scored important goals. I think you take him out of the side and suddenly you go, oof, you know, we, 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 we lose a hell of a lot. We lose a lot if we don't have Vic as well. But I just think that engine room in midfield, Hamer has been so dynamic, so energetic, and he's just been a creative spark. Um, and I think, yeah, he's he's brought so much to the table this season. So for me, uh, and it's been great to see him live because obviously last year it was all online on iFollow, Red Button, etc. So to see him live, I think I really do appreciate the quality that he's got. So uh, yeah, for me, player of the season, Gustavo Hamer. Sounds like a bit of a two-horse race, apart from Wardy's left field shout of Ben Sheaf. Um, let's look at some followers. Uh, and therefore, Sky Blue Fett has gone for Hamer, Jace Hamer, Sue Medlock, Jokeres, Kevin, Tommy, Baskers, Mike Seaton, all gone for Jokeres too. Harry Chatterway's gone for Hamer, Ian Sanderson's gone for Hamer. Chad Bennett has gone for Kyle McFadzine, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so there's there's one vote for, for Big Kyle. Miles Cadden went for Hamer. Eleanor Rose went for Jokeres. Patrick Andrews went for Hamer. But with the majority of votes 
the winner is our super Swede, Victor Jokerez. He wins our player of the season award on the Skyboost Extra podcast. So congratulations to all our winners this evening. A big round of applause from, from all of us here. Uh, and that's it, ladies and gentlemen. That's our second season in the second tier. Come to an end. Andy, sum it up for us. A, a, a real memorable one, wasn't it? Yeah, fantastic season, uh, Dino. Um, massive progression made. Um, and we are, can I say, an established championship, getting wow. towards an established championship side. Um, I feel, I don't feel that we're looking at relegation this season coming up. Um, I feel that we can look maybe at the playoffs and, and, and above um, at the very least. So, yeah, I, there's massive progression made by the club. Exciting summer ahead, which I'm looking forward to, to see who we're going to sign and um, who's going to go. And um, it's a good place to be at the moment, Dean, being a Coventry City fan. Being back in Coventry helps as well. Um, the CBS is a great place to go and watch football now. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lovely place and a, and, a, and a good team to follow now, Zeno. And um, I think next season's going to could even top this season, mate. And it makes the part, doing the pod that bit better, doesn't it? We're not, we're not sort of moaning like we were last year, so that's nice. Yeah, and, and watching you afterwards after a game, you know, when there's no fans in the ground and then putting you in the <laughs> So, Although people are asking if that's yeah, come back, you've so. saved a lot of people. Yeah, they are the people. Yeah, give the fans yeah. what they want. Is, I is that is that your mother or? or, or... <laughs> oh, that's the... Sven Goran Eriksson. Let's quickly wrap it up then with some memorable moments of the season, really quickly. Uh, let's go through the team and, and start. We'll, we'll we'll start with with you, Dave. Will it be a game? Will it be you getting caught on eye following a whole pie in one bite? Will it be AD taking out a pitch invader? You know, Dennis Lawrence going for a cheeky Nando's. Lots of stuff happened off the pitch too. So uh, let's start with you, Dave. What's your memorable moment? You just reminded me actually by that. Uh, that pie was absolute. <laughs> no, I, I was actually meaning you reminded me. I completely forgot all about Lawrence, you know, taking the... taking. Yeah, the, that's uh, a mad, mad point in the, the, in the season. The reins for, for, was it one, two games? You got one game, then he got COVID. So yes, it was tis, 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 it, yeah. Tisdale got it. Those darn Nandos, they'll do that to you. <laughs> yeah, the but, shit's more than COVID, let's be honest. But I think look, there was loads of memorable moments. I've already said how much about the Fulham one. Um, I, th I think, you know, for me, just putting it all together, it's been a memorable season, hasn't it? The last last season was was great first time back in, in the championship. And, and, and I think we did well to stay stay in there. But... Yeah, I think there was lots of reasons this season, the revenues, the crowds, the season tickets and, and what we've already seen going forward to next year for, for what the CBS has given us is a massive, massive tick and a huge off the field um, benefit to us uh, going forward. On the pitch, people obviously grew and, and improved massively. Jokeres, you know, probably the m most from anyone really. Man Mountain up top and um, it, was, it was incredible. But yeah, I think for me, you know, the games are the ones that stand out. And, and Fulham at home is a brilliant, but also Fulham away. Th those two were just fantastic uh, and one that will live long in the memory. Let's get Wardy's thoughts before the, the lads here. There have been, as I said, many great moments this season. I've absolutely loved every minute of it. But for me, there is one that just stands out above the rest. And it is... 
the Matty Godden winner at home to Bristol City. Um, having been 2-1 uh, down and down to 10 men, we looked really out of it. But to come back and win that in the last minute, uh, absolutely limbs everywhere, that has to be my moment of the season. Andy, your thoughts on, on moment of the season? Yeah, for my, my moment of the season um, was the uh, Fulham away game. Um, to go there, they were, you know, hadn't won the league by then, so it wasn't a given. And to go to a team that have absolutely robbed this league and beat them on their own patch, 3 1, uh, was my moment of the season. I thought that was absolutely brilliant by the Sky Blues. Matt, any different thoughts from, from you? I was going to say Bristol City, to be honest with you, just the atmosphere, is, as Tom mentioned, uh, the final whistle after, you know, um, coming back from 2 1 down with 10 men to. Maybe look at something else uh, again. Probably not one that might get mentioned, but uh, going to the last game of the season and Jordan Jordan Shipley's reaction, or the reaction of the fans, the reaction of the players. I think it perfectly summed up uh, what this season has been about. How the the other players on the the team obviously reacted and wanted to give him his moment. I think that in itself encapsulated why we've been so successful this season, and um, and it was well deserved for somebody who's obviously been a fantastic servant for us for the last four years as well so yes i would i would uh, i would go for that and let's get a final thought from the voice of reason in ross wow moment of the season in a season full of wonderful magical iconic moments so for me it has to go back to the very 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 first game i think we've almost taken it for granted we are back in coventry back at the cbs and i think that first game being back home in the stadium that's felt more like ours than it has in 10 years, scoring the last-minute winner, it, it was magical. And it felt like we were a proper club again, seeing that sea of sky blue uh, after two years away um, and after the pandemic as well. So it was a combination, returning to football as a whole and returning to see our team back in Coventry. That, for me, is the moment of the season. And I think, lads, that's a lovely way to round up this pod and the season. It's been an absolute pleasure, not only tonight, but obviously throughout the season. So a huge appreciation for everyone's input along the way this year. A big thank you to all our partners as well and sponsors for their support. But the biggest thanks, of course, goes to you, the listeners and followers, for your support and contributions this season also. Without you, we'd just be six lads shouting into the abyss each week. So... Thank you very much for, for tuning in. From all of us here at Skybiz Extra, enjoy the summer and we'll be back in July to do it all over again. Play up Sky Blues. Thanks for listening to the Sky Blues Extra podcast. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.